Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Today we are wrapping up this series called Dang James, and if you haven't been with us, here's a brief overview of it. This is our eighth week of it, all right? Uh, And so the book of James is actually a letter that he wrote to the very first church that was scattered because they were experiencing persecution. They uh, they, They were being persecuted because they had placed their faith in Christ, and they were being persecuted by the religious leaders of the day, the pastors of that day. They were being beaten, they were being thrown in jail, and some were being killed, and so of course they're scattered because they're now afraid. And it's in this environment that James writes one of the most practical books of the New Testament. In fact, it's called the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's just full of practical wisdom. But James is not like every other writer in the Bible. He does not speak with in a, in a flowery kind of way. He speaks in a very direct, kind of in-your-business kind of way. And I like that because I need somebody to say it direct to me. I don't think I'm the smartest guy. I need you just to tell me how it is, and that's probably why I say things like this and just talk how it is. I'm very blunt, just like James, so I can relate, but it doesn't make it any easier to hear this stuff. That's why we call this series Dang James, because he says some stuff that has us going. That's right. So instead of amens and hallelujahs, if you're new to all this with us, if you hear something that gets you, just holler out a Dang James. In fact, let's all try it on three. It's no fun without you. Everybody doing it. One, two, three. There it is. What's really hilarious is that has become like actually people's like almost like their swear words now, which is just really funny. They're like at home and they're just going like, dang, James, like just saying it, not even biblical context. It's just really funny. But anyway, um, back to this. So we're wrapping up this series and I have to be, be clear with you. You know, there's, there's this series has been really, really impactful for me. That, that one of the things that I do every week to make sure that a message is fresh is to pray through it and ask God, like, hey, this is what I get to talk about today, and I'm not perfect. I have my ups and downs and my ebbs and flows and my walk with God and my life as well and my mental state and all my attitude and all these things. I'm not perfect. (gasps) And I need to do work. And so as a result, before I preach to you, I'm like, God, I need you to look into my heart. How am I doing with this? How am I applying this? Am I doing well with this? And every week there has been something. I've been like, dang, James. I've had to work on something. I've had to make phone calls. I've had to pray. I've had to ask for forgiveness. I've had to change mindset as a result of my preparation for this series. And so it's been very, very impactful for me. uh, And I've really appreciated it. And I hope that you have too. But now James, what he's going to do is he's going to finish this book up because he's been very, very, Uh, very practical. Everything's been, okay, I can take that. I understand that, James. I can apply that to my life. I can make my life better immediately with some simple, simple uh, shifts. You know, when we talked about favoritism, it's like, okay, God, I can allow you to search my heart. Is there anybody that I'm showing favoritism to? Is there anybody that I'm leaving out of your blessing? Is there anybody I'm leaving out of your family or out of, of a place that they belong in? By showing somebody else favoritism, that shouldn't help me with that. I can work on that. And then, and then when we talked about the tongue, I, obviously there's some things that I say or things that, that, that I don't say. I can get my arms around some of those things and work on it. And even having a perspective shift, realizing when James says, you know, count it all joy when trials and tribulations come your way. Dang, James, that's tough to hear. But also, I can, I can have my perspective shift. I can work on that. But 
And those are all practical things, and those are all things I can do myself, but watch how he ends it all, because what he shares now is not practical at all. I mean, it's practical in its application, but it's not something that is, that is something that I can do on my own. It's very, very spiritual. In other words, what James is getting ready to tell us to do is to do things that we can't do unless we include God. That, hey, there's lots of practical stuff in here, but you're going to need God for the rest of it. So let's pick up where we left off. And in James chapter 5, verse 13, he said, is anyone among you in trouble? Pause. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always in trouble, guys. I'm always in trouble. I'm a man, okay? I also, I don't have a good filter. So my mouth is getting me in trouble because of what I've said. My mouth gets me in trouble for what I haven't said. I get in trouble for what I've done. I get in trouble for what I haven't done. I get in trouble for what I didn't intentionally do or unintentionally did. I, I've got trouble in my life and my body. I've got trouble in my relationships. And my goodness, then there's trouble around the world. There's trouble everywhere. So yeah, James, I'm in trouble. I'm experiencing it. I've got issues, but you've got them too. So I'm in trouble. Anybody else identify? You're in trouble. You got some troubles. We all got troubles in every arena of our lives. Now, what, we, what do we do when we have troubles, though? Well, some of us, our habit is to get on Facebook and just air all of our dirty laundry on Facebook. That's what we do when we have troubles. Others of you, you call around. Instead of calling the person you got a trouble with, you call everybody around them in order to try to figure it out. Okay. So you're too busy calling everybody, but the one person you should be calling, you're not calling? That's not a good habit to have. And some of us are just like, yeah, I'm going to call Vanilla Ice. He one time said if I had a problem, he could solve it. So... Here's what James says we should do. He says, you got any troubles? The best answer is to let them pray. That's what he said. Let them pray. And some of you are instantly turned off by this. You're like, ah, Aaron, I was here for that series, that Pray First series, Aaron. I've been there, done that. Didn't work for me. No thanks, bud. Got the T-shirt, and yeah, that didn't work out so well. I prayed. Here's what I'm going to ask today. I'm going to ask that you lean into this with fresh ears today. Because... James is adamant that this is the answer. In fact, this is the last thing he's saying. And we all know that last words are the most important words oftentimes, right? And so James has given us lots of practical stuff, but he talks about prayer, and he says that he mentions it five times that the answer is prayer. He says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any of, among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And watch this. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. So, so when you've tried everything else and you've done all that you can do, it's time that we invite God to step in because we've faced the impossible at this point. We're up against the odds and the things that we cannot fix on our own. We need God to step onto the scene and do what only God can do. James continues, he said, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Man, that's good news. So why the focus on prayer? Because James recognizes there's lots of things that we can work on. In fact, the Bible tells us that we have a responsibility to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It implies we have some work to do, that we can't just sit back and say, well, I've got Jesus. Everything's going to be just fine. No, the Bible says there's work 
for us to do. But there's some things we can't fix and do on our own. We simply aren't enough and don't have what it takes. Now, I just hurt somebody deep in their soul just then. Because we don't like to hear that we aren't enough. I don't like to hear that. That's one of my biggest fears is that I will appear incompetent. I don't like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that by comparison to the supernatural God that we serve, I'm not enough and neither are you. You're not enough for this life. You may be intelligent. You may be wealthy. You may be surrounded by unlimited resources. You're not enough. You're not enough. You don't have what it takes. That is why we pray. Because, my friends, prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching right there. Seriously. That's the difference. We invite God into it because there's things we just can't do. And it invites God to do what only he can do. That's why we have these pray first wristbands. Because we want to cover everything in prayer. And we want to be reminded that we've got a culture of this. That we'll do all that we can, but we're going to start by inviting God to do that all he can do first through prayer. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. We're going to pray first. And after all these practical applications, James is saying, hey, if you're still in trouble, pray. Pray. Now, I did this whole series back in August. Go listen to it. It'll be impactful for you. But James wants us to know a few things about prayer that that may be a revisit to some of that content, but I'm going to share it because it's important. Some of you are new here today and didn't hear those messages. So here we go. There's three truths that James is speaking to here specifically about prayer that you got to recognize. And I promise you, if you'll get these things, I say this every week, but I mean it. God's word is powerful, y'all. It'll change your life. If you'll get this, it'll change everything for you. First thing James wants you to know is that prayer puts my unknown future in the hands of an all-knowing God. When he said, is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Do you know the problem with problems? It's not the problem itself. Oftentimes, the problem with the troubles that we are facing, the problems that we are facing, is simply that the, uh, the uncertainty of it all is what gets us. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how it will all end. I don't know the outcome of it. I don't know. I know that there's a point A and there's a point B, but I don't know what the distance between the two looks like, and that has me worried. We're control freaks for sure. We need to know how everything's gonna go, but that's not our luxury. God has called us to trust him, to trust the journey, to trust the process, but that's not where we're at. The fear of the unknown tends to get us and causes us even more trouble. I got an issue in my marriage. Where is that headed? Are we going to make it through? There's an issue in in my relationships, maybe in my family. How is that going to resolve? Will that ever resolve? There's an issue on the job. Am I still going to have a job here? Am I going to get the promotion? Is there going to be peace between my coworker and I? Are we going to accomplish our goals? Am I going to get fired? I don't know. The uncertainty in the midst of our troubles brings its own pain, doesn't it? We just don't know how it's going to go. And James, James knows that. He knows that. And he's like, hey, is anybody in trouble? We need to trust God. Because he's already told us in James chapter 1 that trials and tribulations come your way. Count it all joy. God's up to something. I'm paraphrasing. That's a Pastor Aaron paraphrase for you. That's a P-A-P. That's a, never mind. I don't want to go down that road. That's a... That, I said I didn't want to go down that road. I just realized it. Thank God. That's a paraphrase. James has already told us we can trust God, that he's up to something. And so we, we need to be in that space. 
But we may not know the intricate details of it all. We may not know how it will go, but we know we can trust God. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to pray. Because God isn't in heaven pacing the floor going, oh dear me, what am I gonna do? Aaron's down there, he's in trouble. He's got a family issue. He's got a financial need. He's got a healing he needs. What am I gonna do? Oh my me. God's not up there pacing the floor. You know why? Because he's not surprised. He already knows. In fact, do you know that God can't be disappointed? Disappointment means we missed an appointment. God never misses an appointment because nothing ever surprises him. He's not disappointed. He's not taken aback. He's not clutching his pearls going, oh my me, what do I do? This is not God. He knows it all. He's already in the space. He's in control. And here's what I really love. Our God is not bound by time like we are. Like he's already at the end of our situation before we even get there. So he knows how it's all gonna play out. He knows and he wants us to trust him. That's why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six, verse 31. He said, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing, come on your turn. Yeah, he said, don't worry. Don't stress. It's not your space, y'all. It's not a good look for you either. Don't worry saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? He said, the pagans, the godless, the people that have no relationship with God, they run around worried about these things. And your heavenly father, he knows that you need him. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, seek his way of doing things. Seek his way of right living. Do that and everything else you need, all that stuff will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It does. You know, one of the things I get to do as your pastor is I get to walk with you through your troubles, through your problems. I've got my own problems too. You know that? I absolutely do, and they're the same ones as you. Now, I signed up for this, okay? So I've got no complaints here about walking with you through your issues and through your problems. But I need you to understand that as much of, of information as I have and as much uh, wealth of resources I, as I have to give you, I've got books, I've got counsel, I've got a therapist I can recommend you to, as good as all these things are. Do you know what I'm always going to do with you when I sit with you and, and talk to you about your problems? I'm gonna pray because I'm not good enough and neither are you. We need to invite a God who knows everything in to the situation. And the best that I can offer you is not what's in my brain or my heart. The best I can offer you is God. That's why I'm going to pray. When we come to God and put it on in his hands, we don't know how it's all going to play out. But peace comes when we trust what Jesus said. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So James says, if you're in trouble, pray, because it puts your unknown future into, the knowing, uh, into a knowing God's hands. But then he wants us to know, prayer puts my hopeless situation in the hands of an all-powerful God, because that's absolutely what it does. God is all-knowing, but he's also all-powerful. The words for that are omniscient. He knows everything. And then he's omnipotent. He is all-potent. He's got all-power. He is always all-powerful. So we trust he knows what he's doing, and we trust that he has the power to act on our behalf to change the things we simply cannot change, especially those things that we feel hopeless. By the way, they're not with God. 
James says in, in verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Which, by the way, if you need prayer today, stop by the Connect Center and somebody will pray for you after service. By the way, because we've got a pray first culture here, we also have a pray now culture. And anybody that you talk to around here and share that you've got something going on, my expectation is that they will grab you and say, let's pray now. Let's pray now. And so you'll find that, but if you haven't met somebody that'll pray for you just yet, stop by the Connect Center, they'll pray for you. We've got a pray first and a pray now policy. Two weeks ago, I was, I think it was two weeks ago, I was out in the lobby, and my friend, uh, Eileen, she was going to have major surgery the next day. Eileen, is it okay if I tell this? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Eileen, we're out in the lobby, and, and I'm like, before you leave here, I know you've got a major surgery, it's going to take months to recuperate from. We had her set up for a meal train. We're ready to take care of her family. Everything's organized to support Eileen and her family from this major surgery. And I said, before you go up, we're going to pray for you. I walk out to the lobby. She's out there. I'm come on, Eileen. Come on, everybody. We gather around Eileen. Prayed. I said, God, I know that we're going to go through this, that she's going to go through this surgery. But I'm praying for healing because you're a God who can heal. Because God still heals, by the way, and we believe that. Amen. That afternoon, I got a phone call. Hey, uh, we, the doctor called. That surgery that's supposed to happen tomorrow? They did some scans earlier this week. And that swelling that was causing her, that pressure on her brain to have to have this surgery, yeah, the swelling's gone and the surgery's not necessary, praise God. God is still on the throne, y'all. And he still heals. He is powerful. Now, there's other stuff we're continuing to pray for, too. Does that mean she's never going to have any issues ever? No. But her faith is stronger, and she trusts God. And I want your faith to be built, too. I want you to experience a God who knows it all, is not worried, is not stressed, and is all-powerful and can step on the scene. So if you need prayer for, anybody, for anything, stop by Connect Center afterwards and pray. We'll see God move in your life. He says, watch this. He says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Yeah, it will. And the Lord will raise them up. And maybe you're here today and you're facing something impossible, something that's like, it's too late. The surgery's already scheduled. The thing is already done. They already won't return my phone calls. I've been blocked. I don't know how to make headway on this situation. Whatever it is that you say, it's hopeless, it's too late. It's never hopeless with a God who can raise the dead. Because I would say a dead person is pretty hopeless. It's dead, but we serve a God who has raised the dead. You know, my dream to be a pastor, I knew I was called to be a pastor at age 16, but I'm going to tell you as an adult, I thought that the dream, the calling was dead because of my decisions, because of my life, because of the pathway that I had gone down. I thought the dream was dead because of the addiction, because of the condition of my marriage, because of my life, my choices, my sin. I thought I was disqualified from serving God in that capacity. I've been a pastor for 10 years, guys. But God, because see, I went to a church in, in 2010, and I met a church that loved me, and, and what he did was God brought my marriage back to life. He brought joy back to my heart. He gave me peace. He commuted a sentence that I for sure deserved. He set me free from a, uh, uh, an addiction that I could not set myself free from, and he resurrected a calling on my life, and God can do the same for you. He can do the same for your situations, the things that have been, because that dream had been dead for 18 years. 18 years. 
and God resurrected it. It's never too late. God is all powerful. Prayer puts those situations back in his hands, y'all. And Paul reminds us a story about Abraham who was facing a hopeless situation in Romans 4. He said, even when there was no reason for hope, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got no reason for hope. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, and that, that's what he held on to, is what God told him. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith didn't weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, rightly so, he figured his body was as good as dead. Because nobody's having babies at 100 years old, y'all. And his wife, she wasn't, she wasn't like a 20-something. She was in her 90s. Like, it gets dangerous for women to start having babies, like, after the age of, like, what, 40, 35? Dangerous. And she's in her 90s. It says... But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced, and that's what I hope for you today. What do you hope, Aaron? You hope I'm fully convinced what? That God is able? <laughs> that God is able. And he's able to do whatever he promises, and I want that for you. I want a fully convinced life because God is able. It's never too late. You can have hope, so pray, because God knows it all and is all-powerful. Just pray, and the third thing James wants you to know about prayer is that prayer puts my broken life in the hands of an all-forgiving God, and thank God for that. Thank God for that. Forgiveness comes from God, but healing occurs in relationship with one another. That's why he said, if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven in verse 15. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. God set a pattern long ago that we are wounded in relationship, we are healed in relationship. That's exactly what my therapist says too. And I love that she's just confirmed what my Bible said thousands of years ago, y'all. That this is God's plan. That you, you will be forgiven this way, but if you want healing from the mess that sin causes in your life, you gotta confess it to someone. And someone will pray with you so that you can be healed. That's God's plan. There's no other Way. So you can hold on to your hurt and say, well, I'm just waiting to be healed, and I'm not willing to come to the table to be in that relationship to find healing, but you're not going to find healing until you step into that relationship. It's, we're wounded in relationship. We're healed in relationship. That's why I think you need to be in a grow group. <laughs> I think you need to be in a space where you will get vulnerable with people and you get open with people and you confess and pray for you so you can have healing in that area. But then that begs the question because it says that the prayer of a righteous person. So who's the righteous person? Because Aaron, my Bible says there's none that is righteous. No, not one. So if there's none that's righteous, who's righteous? Nobody. Well, let me clarify that statement. Nobody is righteous without Jesus. Because see, a righteous person is someone who has had all of their wrongs made right. And you can only experience that through Christ. Paul answers the question of how. How we experience it in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He says, how you ask? The answer's in Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong. So we could be put right with God. That's what God did. He took all of our wrongs and put them on Jesus, a guy who'd never sinned before. And that's available for everyone here today. It's available for you. And it's, I think it's the most important prayer to pray. It's the most, most important one you gotta pray. In fact, I think it's a prayer that we need to pray every day. It's to wind up at the foot of the cross and recognize our human condition every day. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need this. Forgive me. Make me right. 
God knows your future. He has power for all that you need. But the most important thing in your life, the most important prayer to answer is the one that leads to your salvation, to your righteousness. God will take your broken life and he'll make it right. Paul said this in Romans 10, everyone, say everyone. everyone. That means everyone. Say so who's included in the everyone? Everyone in this room, Aaron? Everyone in this room? Everyone outside this room? Everyone. Even the people you don't like. Even the people on the other side of the political aisle. <gasps> Dang, James. It's for everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like, I hope that this becomes your church if it's not already, but that's not my biggest goal. My biggest goal is to have you be saved, to have you know Jesus, to have you made right through Christ. And James wants that for you too. And so he points us to prayer, and then he's going to pivot a little bit because the same reason you're pushing against prayer is the same reason a lot of people pushed against prayer then. I think a lot of us think that God only answers some people's prayers. That, well, you got to be a special person. But my Bible tells me that God is no respecter of persons. That, that he's not looking at anybody, that he doesn't have a favorite. In fact, he does have a favorite. I lied just then, I apologize, but it's all of us. We're all his favorites. And so James is going to shift a little bit because he knows that they've got this in their mind. And he says in verse 17, you know, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Now, his Jewish listeners would have had a heyday with that because the Jewish people hold Elijah, who was a prophet, in high regard. In fact, the Jewish people believed that when the Messiah was to come, that Elijah was going to show back up on the scene and make the way ready for him, which Jesus confirmed a form or a type of Elijah. It's like a type and shadow, not like that Elijah was actually going to, you know, come back. And, and preached and prepare the way for Jesus. He said, John the Baptist was this Elijah you're looking for. But they held Elijah in high regard. In fact, when Jesus was, went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is this cool moment where God speaks from heaven and says, yeah, this is my son, listen to him, I'm proud of him. Uh, but when Jesus, his likeness changed, and he starts surrounded by a crowd, cloud and starts floating, you know who appears with him? Moses and Elijah. They're big people, they're big names. They're heavy hitters in the spiritual history of these people. And they think Elijah is something special because he's a prophet. Uh, he, he did crazy miracles, showed incredible demonstrations of God's power. No, they wouldn't have put themselves in the same category as Elijah. But James says, he's just a man. He's just like you. And he's just like you. There's nothing special about Elijah. James is not, no, no, he's, he's just like you guys. And he wants you to know that, that what Elijah had, you can have if you just do what Elijah did. You, you can have it. It'll work for you too because God is not a respecter of persons. See, Elijah simply prayed. And if you'll pray too, God will move on your behalf. But watch what happened because there is a piece. There's an element that is missing that you gotta grab here. It says in verse 17, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, this happened. And when we look at this, the, the record of the story, we, we not only see, see that he prayed, but there was something that he stood on when he prayed. We see how the prayer of faith actually works. You'll see it in the story because it's there. And I'm hoping today that as you approach God, that you'll begin to pray Prayers of faith that you'll believe. 
that if you believed, really believed that God would answer you, if you had faith for what you were asking him for, I know that you would adopt a pray first attitude about everything in your life. I just know that. So I'm hoping that we learn, learn to have faith today because you're gonna need faith to make your prayer work. So how do we get faith? Watch the story. I'm gonna go all the way back to the Old Testament. James is talking about this story from the Old Testament. It's found in 1 Kings. And this is just part of Elijah's story. In verse, uh, chapter 17, verse one, it says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, boy, that was a lot of weird words to say, excuse me. And he's talking, Elijah is talking to Ahab. Ahab is a wicked king at the time. And it says, he said, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This is where that three-year drought begins. But not just because he prayed. See, if you read the whole story, you see that God tells Elijah, when you pray, it's not gonna rain for three and a half years. That God gave him a word. Elijah didn't just decide this of himself. He had a word, and he was standing in faith, so much so that he stood before a king and said, by the way, when I pray, it ain't going to rain. There ain't even going to be dew on the ground. God told him it would happen, and Elijah is leaning into this word to have faith for his prayer because that's how faith works. First thing you need to know about faith is that faith begins with a word. It begins with a word. Well, how do you get a word for your situation? Well, you get a word from the word. That's the Bible. You need to be in God's word for your faith to grow. You need to read it. It needs to be get into you. You need to get a word from God by being in his word. So let me get in your business for a minute as your pastor. Are you reading your Bible? Are you at least reading, getting a, a verse of the day? I read my Bible. I've got a reading plan that I follow, but I also signed up for a verse of the day. So that way, when I get into my phone and I turn my alarm off, one of the first things I do is I go to my email, I open it up, and I read the verse of the day, oftentimes before I even get out of bed. I want God's word to be one of the first things on my heart and on my mind. Are you reading your Bible? Because if you're not reading your Bible, you're not gonna have faith. And if you don't have any faith, then you're not going to pray. And if you, even if you did pray, your prayers aren't going to work. You'll be stuck and you'll feel hopeless. And you'll feel hopeless because it's all up to you. No wonder you're exhausted and you're tired because you're carrying the weight of your life you were not meant to carry on your own. You need a word from God. You need to have faith. If you don't want it all on you, you're gonna need God's help. To get it, you'll need to pray. In order to pray, you're gonna need to have faith. In order to have faith, you're going to need a word from God. That's why y'all need to read your Bibles. You need to read your Bibles. You say, well, that doesn't make sense to me that I could read these words on a page and then have everything change. It doesn't have to make sense. It's supernatural, guys. God's word is beyond anything you can wrap your human brains around. You cannot read it. It'll change your life, I promise you. I promise you. It is powerful. It is effective. It will change everything. Paul makes it clear. He says in Romans 10, so faith comes by hearing, and it's not just hearing anybody talk about it. It's hearing by the word of God. It's hearing by the word of the God. Yesterday I was watching the Buckeyes trounce all over Rutgers. O-H? Yeah, baby. And I noticed something. I noticed that Travion Henderson, our running back, had this, uh, had this, what looked like a scripture verse on his face. And I kept trying to slow down things so that I could catch what the verse was. And, and I thought it said 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and I looked it up, and it was something about yeast in the bread, and I was like, I don't think that's right. 
That can't be right. You know, football players will always have, you know, the Philippians 4, the, I can do all things through Christ, and like they, they tend to. But this one was different. I was like, huh, what is that? And it was 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is, is what he looked up. I'll tell you what it says here in a moment, uh, what was on his face. And, and I thought, huh, that's interesting. I wonder why that particular verse. And it turns out that, uh, that he's been very vocal about it. There was, I did an interview last weekend after he came back uh, and, and played against the Badgers and, and you know, racked up 200 yards, which it, it, that's impressive, by the way. It makes him a massive threat. If you don't sports ball, that makes him a massive threat in sports ball, okay? And, uh, and so he, they interviewed him, and they're like, hey, what, what, what's going on? What happened? And he's giving all glory to God for those 200 yards. And then yesterday, I, I believe it was like 208. It was even more yesterday. Uh, and, and he's giving honor to God because he said, well, last year I was injured. And he said, and I continued to play through it. And he said, the coaches, instead of taking him out and making him sit a few games, because by the way, when you're that good in college, you're moving towards a career in the NFL, right? So he's thinking ahead and he's like, I need to show up and I need to play. And so he didn't trust a normal process of sitting a few games out because that matters. That changes your record. That limits you from possibly even winning a Heisman Trophy if you're somebody that's deserved of it. So he's got all this in his mind. So last season, he was injured, and they came up with a plan to let him play the games but not practice during the week and what it, so that he could continue to play through his injury last year. What that did was that limited his performance last year. It hurt him, actually, to do that. And he said this year, in game five, that injury flared back up from a cheap shot, his words, not mine, from a Notre Dame player in that game. And this time when he got re-injured, God told him, I need you to trust the process here. I need you to chill. I need you to sit. And so he took a word from God. This is what he said, what that word says. I will walk by faith even when I cannot see. Because see, when they decided to sit him this year and he decided to obey God, and to just sit, to trust the process, he didn't know when the situation was going to end. He didn't know when his health was going to be better. He chose to trust because last year, doing it in his own strength, it didn't work. And some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. It didn't work when you do it in your own strength. And he's like, I'm going to trust God. So he got a word, and he stood on that word. And he was out for three games, and they finally cleared him and brought him back. And when they brought him back, he hit, a high, he hit uh, those, that two, those 200 yards. And yesterday they said, man, Harrison Jr. was in the game, and that was awesome. But Trayvon, Travion Henderson, dear God, he is a threat. And he gives all glory to God. He said, I made it through that, and I was able to trust God because I had a word. I had a word that I could stand on. And he gave credit to God for that. Took faith to sit out and heal and not play without a time frame. And he trusted God and God blessed him and healed him as well. If you didn't watch that game yesterday, you should. Uh, what I watched was pretty amazing. I actually fell asleep at halftime and woke up with five minutes left in the game. <laughs> it's the dangers of being a 44 year old man in a comfortable chair. I don't know what to say. With 30 minutes and nothing to do, you know? <laughs> fell asleep. But you need a word from God. You need a word for God. For everything. One that I really love declaring over my kids is there's a verse that talked about Jesus growing up, but I always declared this over them, that they would grow in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and with man. 
That's what I pray over my kids all the time. Also declare over my family, Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That it doesn't matter what things look like right now. It doesn't matter the ups and downs of life or where people are walking right now or how close or not they are with God. We will be a family that serves the Lord. And I declare that in prayer. I've got a word from God. But in every situation, you can get a word. Even in sickness, even in uncertainty, even under attack, you can get a word from God. Here's one, Psalm 91, verse 2 through 3. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. You say, Pastor Aaron, what about my job? What if the market breaks and I lose everything? What if gas is $5 a gallon? What if inflation continues to rise? I got a verse for you too, Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God, get a word. Get a word that you can stand on in faith. And pray. No matter what you're facing, some of you are like, I'm scared about the upcoming election. I'm worried about the outcome. What about next year's election, the presidential race? I'll give you one. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 3. I look up to the mountain and Capitol Hill. No. I put that in there. Actually, I heard another pastor do that. I thought that was really funny. But oftentimes, that's where we look, isn't it? We look to our government for our answers. We look to those that are in leadership around us. He said, but then I realized, y'all need to pay attention. The government ain't it. He said, then I realized that our true help and protection come only from one place, and that's from the Lord, our creator who made the heavens and the earth, and he will guard me and guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. God is my keeper, not the government. He will never forget nor ignore me. My God, this is good preaching. Listen to me. You need to get a word. You need to find a scripture that will support you and give you faith in every situation. I had a word during my sabbatical. I was really struggling to rest for 60 days. I'm an achiever. I'm an Enneagram 3. If you know that scale, that means that my value and my worth, I connect to doing things. 60 days sabbatical, you're not supposed to do anything. And I was really frustrated. I was, I was talking to God real terse one day, and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. How do I do this? And he said, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. <laughs> and I was like, so that's all I have to do? Because I'm looking for the do. It's just be still. And so I canceled all my plans. I had vacation plans. I was going to write a book. I was going to do all this stuff. And I was just like, God said do nothing. So I'm just going to do nothing. You know what? It was glorious. I can't wait to do nothing again. It's going to be great. But that word led me through. It gave me faith that God was up to something, and I was just going to be still and see him do something. And he did. I told one of my best friends this week, you need to get yourself a word. You're doing lots of good things. Better get yourself a word. If you don't already have one, get a word, get a word, get a word. Because a word will carry you through. You need something beyond you to carry you through, something supernatural. She needs that. I need that. You need that. Get a word by being in the word. So let's finish the story. It says, and Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there's a sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to drink, eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the, to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees, which is what some of you need to do more often than being on your Facebook and your TikTok. You need to get into a posture and have a time of intention to pray. You don't need to call your friend or worry and fret. You need to just get on your knees and pray. And whether that's on your knees or not, talk to God, pray. You need to get into a posture of prayer. That's what Elijah is teaching us. So we need to get a word from God, and we need to realize that faith builds when we determine to not give up. A lot of us give up too quickly. When I'm faced with difficult things, you know what I want to do? I want to take a nap. I want to disengage. I don't want to do it. But I think all of us, we, we tend to give up too easy. 
We tend to surrender to our hopelessness. We need to take Winston Churchill's advice, and he said, never give in, never give in, never, 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 and nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. And when it comes to what we're seeking the Lord for, never, ever give up. If you're close to giving up today, don't give up. Don't give in. Elijah is praying for it to rain. And he's doing this on a perfectly clear, beautiful day. Man, isn't that something? Some of you, that's what you're praying for. You're in an impossible situation. Nothing looks like it's going to change. But on a Sunday, Eileen, you'll get a phone call. It may seem like everything's done. It may seem like everything is is not going to go your way. But Elijah prays on what they call a bluebird day, a day that is beautiful and clear. Because he has a word that if he prays, it'll rain. So he sends his servant out. He says, hey, Ben Gelber, go out to the sea and see what's going on. Ben Gelber's a meteorologist, by the way. (laughs) He got to the sea, and he went up and looked. He said, there's nothing here. And he said, seven times Elijah said, go back. He didn't give up. Go back. Don't care how long you've been praying, keep praying. Keep watching. Keep looking for God to answer. Doesn't matter how long or how often you pray. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't relent. Keep on praying. He said, the seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Elijah's demonstrating some grit, which is some courage, some resolve, some strength of character. And he's continuing to pray and enduring through it. He's not giving up. Hebrews tells us us this way, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while, which by the way, God's a little while. The Bible tells us that a day to the Lord is like a thousand years to us. So God's little while is not like ours, by the way. Um, But he says, he he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So don't give up. Now back to the story as we wrap it up. It says, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, and the wind rose. A heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah. This is important. And it says he tucked his cloak into his belt because he didn't want to trip, and he took off running. And he was running. <laughs> and it says he beat Ahab all the way to Jezreel, which doesn't happen. Men don't run faster than horses, do they, Kyle? Do they, Caleb? Where are my horse people at? Men don't run faster than horses, do they? We don't. What, what, what was the difference maker here? What happened? God intervened. The power of God came upon him. Faith makes the difference. Faith breaks through the natural into the supernatural. You can have access to something that's beyond you. On our own, we're stuck. The impossible is just that, my friends. But Jesus said what we need to believe today, that with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. That's why you need to pray. That's why you need to have faith. That with God, all things are possible. Dead things come back to life. Your marriage, your peace, your joy, your relationships, your kids, your finances, your heart. All the things that you've lost hope for can be better, but only with the God of the impossible, only with him. And if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you, and I believe that completely. Now watch how James finishes this letter because he turns attention to the most important thing. He's like, hey guys, I know we're working on things. I know we're practical application. I know we're looking to God for stuff that's beyond us, but here's the most important thing. Last words, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. My goodness, have you ever led anybody to Jesus? Do you know what that's like? Do you know what it's like? I want you to know what it's like. James is like, hey guys, 
All this stuff is important, and I know we care about our lives, and I know we care about unity, but you know what the most important thing is? We continue to bring people to Jesus. This is his focus. What's he saying? He's like, well, I hope the impossible situation works out. I hope that your unknown future, you gain confidence in God, and I hope God shows up and does things for you. But the most important thing is eternal life. That's the most important thing. We have to be focused on that. We have to keep that in view because reaching people far from God is the most important thing. It's why we're here. This whole service has been orchestrated for you. If you're here today and you would say, you're far from God, this is all for you. This is all for you. We want you to know God. And that's why after having learned all this, having walked through this whole series, this Dang James series, we're going to land right here because we're closing this series and we're entering into the greatest evangelistic season of this church, and it's at the movies. And I need you to invite people. I need you to have somebody that's far from God sitting next to you every Sunday if it's up to you. I need you to. This is not a church growth strategy. This is a let's make heaven full strategy. Let's fill heaven. Let's fill heaven. Invite people to the At The Movies series. Invite them here. Invite them to a place where they can meet a loving God and meet a loving church. Y'all are so loving. I am, I, there are some churches I would be embarrassed to invite people to. Not this one. I'm being serious. I don't think I would attend this church if, if you all weren't so loving. You see, aren't you? That's really confusing to me. Can you unpack that? No, I don't have time. I don't have time, but I mean it. Invite somebody to church. Have them here. Have them have an opportunity to meet Jesus. Amen, everybody? James is like, there's nothing more important than this. We need to ask God to give us hearts for the lost and help us. So be praying for the people you're going to invite and invite them to church. Let's, let's wrap this thing up. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you more than we realize, and I know that. Today I'm praying for us as a church, Lord, that prayer, prayer becomes our first response. And that it becomes so because we're a people who submit ourselves to your word. We're in it and we have faith. And we trust that when we talk to you, when we bring you our situations, that you are the God of the impossible. You are a God who knows everything. You are a God who's promised that for those that love you, all things will work for our good and for your glory. But God, we can't trust that. We can't walk that way. We can't have peace that way unless we're in your word. Give us a hunger and a passion for your word. Give us a desire to be in it. Your word says you give us the desires of our hearts, not the things that we want. You literally give us the desires. So put a desire in us for righteousness. Put a desire in us for your word. Put a desire in us for a deeper relationship with you and put a desire in us to reach the lost. God, fill us. This church is not meant to be a clubhouse where we celebrate. This church is meant to be a hospital where the sick will find health and wholeness in Christ. And so God, make it so. Make it so. Transform our hearts and our lives. We got a lot on our minds. We got on a lot on our hearts. There's a lot of stuff going on. Help us to trust you with all that. But help us to lean into this mission of reaching people. Now that we stay in this heart of prayer, I just want to say there's, there's people in this room. You've heard that everyone's included, and you've come to believe that today. If you've got faith in your heart to believe that this is for you, it is. Even if you don't believe it yet, I'm telling you, it's for you. That God loves you. He is for you. He is not against you. And if you're ready to be in a relationship with him through what Jesus has done for you, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can be included on that prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed, we're gonna pray. But if you're gonna choose to do this today, would you just lift up your hand? Would you say, Aaron, that's me. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Do it now. Come on, hands up. Hands up. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yep, there's people saying yesterday, you can put your hands down now. Thank you. I'm proud of you. We're going to celebrate with you here in a moment, but not before we pray. Remember, it's not the words that you're saying. It's the faith in your heart that makes this real. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. and hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.